do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Amen. Thanks, Oscar. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day that we can come together and worship you. Thank you for this church body, uh, the people that you've gathered here, women and men, and the children back there, babies. Lord, what a gift it is to um, spend time together and to seek you. Lord, we, we just pray that as we turn now to your word, that you'd give us each your spirit to understand what you'd have for us today. We pray this in your name. Amen. Well, it's good to be back. It's been two weeks off the pulpit. Uh, you know, I was away in Atlanta for a week, which was, which was a great time at one of our church partners. Uh, they were hosting a missions conference there, uh, which, is, which is a really good time. They did put me to work. You know, I had like 13 plus hour days to work type deal, uh, teaching different things uh, in a panel discussion on church planting, uh, you know, presentations, all that sort of thing. I did also get to attend some of the conference, which was great. Um, but to me, the, actually, the best part of this whole thing was getting to rub shoulders with a number of these uh, folks, these other pastors, these other missionaries, these church leaders, these, these aid workers that this church uh, supports all across the globe. And we're talking at a big scale. These guys, I mean, over 25 years have given over $105 million to outreach efforts, missions efforts, and, and aid work, which was pretty, pretty amazing to, to, to think about. Uh, my favorite part was at the very beginning when we first got there, before anything started, they just had the, this room filled about the size of, with, with uh, you know, the different church leaders and pastors and church planners and all that sort of thing, missionaries. And they just had us all stand up where we were and real briefly share who we are, what we're doing, and just, you know, kind of a couple, a couple of thoughts. And, uh, and it was just amazing to hear about all these people, a lot of whom, by the way, are in parts of the world that I can't mention by, I can't mention by name because it would put them in danger. They were saying, don't take any pictures, because if any of this got up on social media, these guys' lives could literally be in danger. Uh, one quick story. Uh, this wasn't actually in that time. He wouldn't have shared it there. But like another time over dinner, there was one guy who was serving in, uh, in Israel, reaching Palestinians, both with the gospel and, and uh, uh, with uh, meeting tangible needs. And what big, burly dude, real charismatic, but just, just a guy's guy kind of guy, uh, he was telling me how uh, he's actually in Nazareth, and about 20 miles from there is the border, and he went to look at the border. He took his binoculars one day, and he kind of looked into the border where a lot of refugees are kind of uh, camping and all that sort of thing, like a million, two million refugees there. He had his binoculars out, and he saw ISIS flags waving, and he also said he saw things that I can't actually mention from the pulpit here in terms of how sad, like before his eyes, like horrible things happening. And this big, burly guy just teared up and was saying, we need to be there. We need to help. We need to love. And I was thinking, my goodness, I'm not going to complain about church planting <laughs> anymore. Um, what an amazing thought. So these guys all got up around. They were sharing just little bits, again, about the size of this room. And when they got done, everybody kind of said their thing. I leaned over to Cindy because this was the beginning when she was still there. And I said, man, we could say amen and go home now, just hearing what God is doing uh, th throughout the world. Um, and so it was a really good experience. You know, I, I also said to Cindy, uh, I just felt like maybe this was the Lord 
you know, I was leaning, I just, I just kind of leaned over and I said, how cool would it be, would it be for at some point current to have an impact around the world in, in a similar light to this? And of course, we just did our, our impact initiative uh, back around the Christmas time where we raised, fu- we raised funds for missions efforts, for outreach efforts, for, for outreach purposes. And so would you guys be praying with us? as we think about how do we steward the resources that God has given us, even as we're a church, not yet self-sustaining, we want to live by faith using the resources, stewarding the resources towards uh, not only just locally, but globally. And if you want to hear more information about how this might start to look more specifically, here's a plug for the all-church prayer meeting that's coming up on the 25th. Um, We'll share a little bit more of how we can be praying about this in terms of specifics. Um, so thanks for your prayers while I was away. The other thing I want to say before getting into the message is I'm so thankful for Joel King and Trinity Church, uh, who was here preaching the last two weeks. When I asked him a while back if he could cover last week, which was the week I was like gone, gone, he said, hey, why don't you think about also having me preach the week before or after? Um, and I said, well, if you're going to twist my arm about it, I guess, uh, all right, uh, why don't you do it also before? Uh, which allowed me to get to some back burner stuff, too. So it's just fun having church partners who, who understand that we're in the startup phase and we don't have a teaching team just yet and all that sort of thing to just kind of support us in that way. Um, so we're very thankful, very, very filled, and I'm glad to be back. Uh, to get into the text today, we'll, and we'll just jump straight into it for the sake of just kind of moving things along, Jesus teaches us not to judge. And, uh, you know, on the surface of it, what an unexpected thought. Here we are in our upside-down kingdom looking at all these upside-down thoughts that Jesus had for the church. This is one of them. And if it's not an upside-down thought, an unexpected thought to hear, do not judge from Jesus, it's probably because we're overly familiar with the thought. Here's what Jesus has been doing through the Sermon on this Mount, this most famous of all sermons that we've been looking at over the last couple weeks. He's been kind of raising the standard, showing us what God wants from us in terms of if he's done so much for us, namely giving us his son to die on the cross, if he's done so much for us, this is what he expects. This is what he calls us into. And he says all these unexpected upside-down thoughts. You've heard, don't just love your neighbor. I tell you, love even your enemies. And now he's saying, do not judge. Here's why I think that's upside down. If, if he's saying, here's the standard, you would think that probably towards the end of it, he'd say, and you know what? Here's what I want you to do. Keep tabs on everybody. Keep folks accountable to this. He comes out and he says, do not judge. It's a fascinating thought to think about this. Here is Jesus, the Son of God, perfect, sinless, who had every right to judge. And he comes he came teaching, do not judge. What did he mean by that? Uh, and, and what do we do about it? Uh, that's what we're going to look, look, look into today. So the, the first few verses here, he says, of course, do not judge. That's, that's his main thought, and that's really what he's kind of uh, saying throughout this whole text. Don't judge. Why? Because low-hanging fruit of a thought, we have a propensity towards judging others. We're prone to it. We, we tend to judge others. And you know what? By the way, we're really not all that good at it. Um, you know, this, the Me Too movement, which for many parts is, is, a, is a really good thing, a wonderful thing happening uh, primarily in the Hollywood industry, but also, of course, in the political arena and all that sort of thing. There have been some disturbing trends happening as we've been watching this, if you've been paying attention, that we've been kind of been able to see kind of a, a case study in terms of human dynamics in judgment. What do I mean by that? Well, when this whole thing kind of started to come out, I think Harvey Weinstein was kind of the, the catalyst for all this sort of stuff and the, all that he was involved in. 
all these actors raised up and said, you know what, we condemn his actions. We stand in, you know, we, with this movement, we, we're against this. What happened a couple weeks later, a couple months later, it's still happening. Some of these actors who stood up and said, you know what, we stand in judgment. If we condemn these things, Twitter is coming around and saying, oh, yeah? Well, what about this picture of you in the act of touching somebody inappropriately? How are you, who, who are you to, to judge those actions when here's a picture shot of you touching someone inappropriately? Or even heavier, there's been a lot of people who have come out, typically gals, but not always, coming out like, you, this actor's judging that guy, and yet this, I, I wasn't even going to do anything about this. I'd rather not think about it. But because of the audacity that this actor would come out and blast that other guy, stand in judgment, he abused me. He, he assaulted me. And we're just, and then Twitter explodes again. And then, of course, it's like this vicious vortex. You guys have been following this. And then, you know, one Twitter feed says, how dare they do that? And another tweet says, here's a screenshot of you two years saying a blatantly sexist thought. It's just like, my word. And that's just one area of human life. I mean, we are just such prone to judging, and we're really not all that good at it at the end of the day. We don't have any, we don't have any right to judge. We, we, we all judge. It can be in the smallest of ways, just, just getting upset with the coworker who, who's late from work. Why are they all? It can be in bigger ways, people behaving selfishly or hurting our feelings. Um, you know, before we unpack what he's talking about exactly here, it's, I just want to say specifically uh, to Christian friends here today, uh, we need to especially lean into and, and listen to these words, understand them. It probably, Christian friends, comes as no surprise that this is a major issue in the church. If I can use the word judgmentalism, which is not technically a word, but I think you guys follow me if, that's, if I can. Judgmentalism is an issue in the church. The San Francisco Bay Area is now the most unchurched and de-churched part of the U.S. De-churched meaning folks who used to go to the church and, and for at least a six months or a year period have decided, you know, I'm done with that. In other words, as the nation on the whole has folks leaving the church in greater numbers than ever before or wanting less to do with the church in greater numbers than ever before, and we in the San Francisco Bay Area are leading that effort, essentially, that trend, the top three reasons people give, you can look at the surveys or you can have conversations with people, on the, on the real, real close to the top of the list is a culture of judgment in the church. Up there with hypocrisy and self-righteousness, which, by the way, are also in this text. Verse 5, he says, you hypocrite. That's explicitly. Self-righteousness, I think, is more implicit. It's kind of the reason behind why we tend to judge. And we'll, we'll look at that more. How tragic is that? Christian friends, how tragic is that? Because people are leaving the church or wanting less to do with the church for reasons that Jesus himself taught against. They're leaving because people are judging or there's a culture of judgment. And yet he said, don't judge. That should get us thinking. That should make us think. You know, I was at, so at this conference, one of the, the speakers was up there. Um, he wasn't talking about, you know, the culture of judgment in the church as his main thought. He was kind of talking about it in more passing in terms of this bigger, bigger talk. Um, but he used a term that I was like, oh my goodness, did he really just say that? That I thought was really powerful. To set this thought up, so in the Bible, there are spiritual gifts. The Bible calls them spiritual gifts. There's lists of them in the, in the Bible. You can look them up. Uh, and they are gifts, they are endowments that God gives 
people to build up the church, to build up others. For instance, there's the spiritual gift of encouragement. If you've ever hung out with a person and you just leave super encouraged, they just, they just have a unique ability just to kind of, man, you just feel uplifted. And unique. Chances are they have a spiritual gift of, of encouragement. There's spiritual gifts of leadership, prayer, administration, uh, and, and, and the rest of it. Well, this guy was up there making a comment about, yeah, I feel like there's a lot of people in the church who believe that they have the spiritual gift of criticism. And when he said that, I was like, whoa, that was like cutting through so much right there. Friends, there are no, there's no gift of spiritual, of, of, of spiritual uh, gift of, of criticism. And yet so often what we can do in the church is believe it's, we are God's gift to the church or people around us to go around and say, you know what? Hey, it's not in there. What is in there is don't judge. Don't judge. What does he mean by don't judge? I mean, we need to consider this for a second. Uh, when he says don't judge, he's not forbidding all judgments, okay? How can we know that for sure? Uh, well, for starters, uh, in this very same chapter, okay, you guys looked at this last week. In this very same chapter, Jesus says in the same Sermon on the Mount, beware of false teachers. How do we know which teachers to be aware of if we're not passing judgment? right? Um, so it's even in the, the text here. There's many places in the Bible, for instance, that Christians are called to, especially with other Christians, hold each other accountable. So that's, for instance, on things like judging. Uh, we, need, we need to hold each other accountable. But you know what? Those tend to be more the exceptions than the rule. And we'll talk about that in terms of what it looks like to judge. Um, so judging here, if we want to talk specifically what the word means and, and the context of what Jesus is saying, is passing harsh, adverse verdicts on the conduct of others. He's talking about being overly critical. He's not saying don't think when he says don't judge. Um, and this is for you grammar folks, love, love grammar. In the present imperative, what he's saying is don't make readily finding fault in others a practice. Don't let it be an ongoing habit of yours to be critical of others. Um, so here's a question. We'll consider this as we, as we continue to move forward, too. But why are we so prone, then, to judge? So we look at this, this speck and the sawdust, which we'll unpack a little bit more here in a second. But I think when, when Jesus is saying, hey, you know, we have this, this log in our eye, and we want to come to the, the, this person who has a speck and say, hey, you know, we, we pass judgment. It seems to me what Jesus is saying here is we're trying to elevate ourselves over the other. We're trying to make ourselves feel better. We're trying to position ourselves. Uh, listen to how uh, one Christian author puts it. Our spiritual judgments, our spiritual comparisons are incredibly biased. We have an amazing ability to compare things in a way that causes us to come out on top. And when we come out on top, it's hard not to look down on people who don't measure up. A couple weeks ago, actually, I think the first message of this, of this series, I shared uh, a parable, a story that I think again, captures the dynamic happening here um, as, as Jesus is giving us this teaching. This is in Luke 18. The, the verses will be up there on, on the board for you. To some who are confident of their own righteousness and look down on everyone else, in other words, people who are prone to judge, that's the people Jesus was talking to, Jesus told this parable. He gave this story. Two men went up to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, being a religious leader, someone who should have known better, stood by himself and prayed, God, thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth 
of all I get. That's made, like, hey, fasting and, and giving a tenth, hey, that's good stuff. The Bible commends those things, but you can clearly hear it's in the spirit of criticism, spirit to kind of elevate himself. But the tax collector, somebody in that society who everybody thought, oh, they're the sinful people, they're the people who are just kind of shady, stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Here's Jesus' conclusion on the matter. I tell you that this man, the tax collector, rather than the Pharisee, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. What is Jesus saying? We're so bad when it comes to judging. We're prone to it, and when we do it, we're just often flat out wrong in our judgment. Uh, he said the one who was justified was the one who actually didn't do any of the judging, if you notice in that text. And so in verses 1 through 2, he says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So don't judge. Here's a question you might want to ask yourself. Uh, Do I have my own thank God I'm not like them list? Do you have a list like that? Thank God I'm not them? Um, And if so, who's on it? You know, maybe you're passionate about justice the needs of the poor and orphans, obviously wonderful things. You might struggle with people who aren't, or at least aren't as much so. Your temptation will be to write them off as uninformed, selfish, or cold-hearted. Or maybe you spend more time than most thinking about deep theological things. Uh, you know, you like reading books written by dead guys and doing your Bible study in the original Hebrew and Greek. You'd probably be tempted to look down on those who don't have this knowledge or can't, who don't have the right references, uh, right? Or maybe if you are really good with money, you know, always, always giving more than a tithe to God's work, you might love to look down on those who spend money in places that you don't deem as important or appear to be unwise, people who be, uh, appear to be unwise with their resources. Or, one more example, if you, you give a lot of your time, you're extremely generous with the time and the way that you serve, it could be it could be easy for you to compare yourself with those who don't seem to say yes as much to serving or helping in different ways. The list goes on and on, doesn't it? Um, Jesus taught us don't judge because we're prone to judge. So how do we overcome this propensity to judging? How, how, do, we, how do we do it? Jesus gives this, he gives this uh, metaphor. He talks about the, the speck and the, and the plank. Verse 3, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Jesus is saying we need to have a sober understanding of our own spiritual state. Um, He's saying what we need to do is not so much judge others, but we need to judge ourselves. To me, this seems like such a powerful thought. As Jesus kind of explains what he's meaning when he says don't judge, he's not just saying muster it up and don't judge. You know, here would be my temptation. Okay, I'm just, okay, I'm not going to judge. I'm not going to be like those people. Okay, I'm going to, and now I'm judging the judgers. We Christians, oh my goodness, aren't we guilty of this? And I think, um, uh, let me just, not just Christians, let's just, the, the political, both sides of the political aisles do this. Um, but let me just, you know, burrow down with, with, with the Christians for a second. You know, obviously, I'm thinking about this myself. But like, for instance, that's, that's why we're trying desperately hard, 
you know, as a church, as a church startup of all things. And I, and I mean this not to like pat ourselves and maybe if we're getting this wrong, please humbly as a speck in the eye, and we'll talk more about that later, come talk to me. Um, but we want to try really careful as a church startup not to position ourselves as, hey, we're not those guys. We're not that church. We're not doing what those people do. Over there. Oh, these, there's a culture of judgment in the American church. We're not doing that. I mean, hypocrisy. What should our focus be? What is Jesus saying our focus should be? The plank. The plank is what our focus should be. The plank uh, literally is, is, is actually a hard word to translate into the English because uh, we don't have a, a, a one-for-one word. Um, plank literally means a load-bearing beam um, that was used in construction. I always thought when I read this text growing up or years ago, it's like it's like a two-by-four in your ear. That's the plank. But no, Jesus is talking about a tree. Who said Jesus didn't have a sense of humor, by the way? I mean, he's talking about like, <laughs> he's talking about our focus needs to be the plank um, because the speck of sawdust in comparison really doesn't matter. Uh, the other day, this is a couple weeks ago, I was, um, I had just gotten two cups of coffee from Starbucks, and I was running across a busy street playing Frogger, okay? There was a middle, the middle center divide, and so I was two hot cups of coffee filled to the top, and I was just getting across, and right when I got to the center median, crossing the first part, um, you know, kind of making the last little hop, I, you know, I looked up, and as I looked up, there was a bug. There was a bug that just was coming at my eye, and I had no way to stop it. Okay, hot cups of coffee. I literally was just doing this. It seemed like it was further away. This was all happening in slow motion, by the way. It, it seemed like I couldn't even close my eye because the wind was coming really fast, that sort of thing. And I was just, no, and it just went right into my eye. And it went right in my eye with such force because of the wind and all that sort of thing that it went right to the back of my eye. Thank you. That's exactly where the state I was in. So I'm sitting here, two hots, a cup of coffee, and they're already like, you know, I'm already wet and hot, and I'd like, ow. I can't put it down the center divide. Cars are whizzing past, and there is a bug literally squirming in the Sorry, this is too much information. I'm sorry. I really, I'm sorry. Cross the line. I felt like crying in that moment, which would have been a good thing, because I think that would have like... I don't, I, I was, like, I am so thankful. This is not normally what I've done in that circumstance. I'm just, I really see this as a gift of God helping me. But it's like, I, I was just, you know what? I can't do anything about it. It's probably going to be a minute or two before I can put these things down and, like, do all that. So I'm just going to, we're just going to go with it. I don't know, let my body digest it? How does that work? I don't, I don't anyways. Uh, so anyway, so I just, and, you know, at the end of the day, it, it was a bug in my eye. Not a big deal. A speck of sawdust. Yeah, it impairs our vision. It can, it can be painful. You know, it can be inconvenient. But what Jesus is saying is, at the end of the day, and compared to the, 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 the telephone pole that we have in our eyes, the speck of sawdust doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter. Um, we can be really hypocritical about this. You know, in verse 4, it says, how can you say, Jesus saying, how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye? I love that. If you think about what he's saying, like, let me help you, you know? Like, let me help you with that little speck. It's just, it's, just, it's, it's ridiculous. That's Jesus' point. But we're, we're often not trying to, 
what Jesus is saying is often in these situations, when we're being critical or we're, we're judging in this way, is we're not actually so much helping them as we're helping ourselves, we're making ourselves feel better. Um, the gospel could be said this way. We all have trees in our eyes. We all have massive trees in our eyes. We are all sinful is the way the Bible puts it. We all miss the mark. We all live lives in such a way where we, more often than we care to admit or even try to think about, can really hurt others, let alone the one who made us, who loves us and calls us to live a loving life towards him and others. Um, we all have trees in our eyes. You know, there's this uh, marriage axiom I've talked about in the past, uh, in counseling or, or premarital counsels, they'll say, they'll say this. They'll say to the couple, okay, here's what you do. When you get into conflict, in terms of conflict resolution, you need to understand you can't really fix the other person. You can't change the other person. So just work on what you can change, which is yourself. Don't try to change the other person. Try to change yourself, which is, makes total logical sense. And if you're in the honeymoon period or before, you're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to, oh, I'm not going to try to change you. And, but let me, you know, fast forward to a few years of marriage. That's really hard to live out in practice. It's really hard to live out in practice. Why? Because you might have a list if you're in conflict, okay? You're going to have a list of things that, you know what, the other person would just do a lot better if they just fixed that. This, 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 this. By the way, they have a list for you and all that sort of stuff. It's really helpful advice. It's hard to live out. But what they're saying, and I was just reading up on this this week. This is not just a Christian thought. This is just across the board. Huffington Post article I, I saw reading this is they're saying, you know what? It's amazing that if you can just not look to fix the other person, change them, but you really kind of look at yourself, you understand, oh my goodness, I am a deeply flawed person, much more than I ever would have thought. But, you know, I, I, can, I can control, I can think about changing myself. One, it'll give you a lot more peace often. And two, often helps the relationship start to move in a healthy direction. Go figure. Jesus is saying, don't judge. Jesus is saying, look at the tree in your own eye because we all have trees in our eyes. First, take out the plank of your own eye. Understand that it's there, by the way. And then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's or sister's eye. And that's a really interesting thought. You know, when it comes down to us helping our brother or sister with the speck that they might have, um, if we consider from the, the, the starting point of, boy, I probably have a tree in my eye when it comes down to this, if you come at it with that posture of humility and understanding, they are probably going to be of the, the point of saying, you know what, could you speak into? If, if we have the humility to say, you know, I don't, I kind of struggle with it, and, and then, but hey, I have this, it will be more, it will actually end up having an effect, potentially. But Jesus' bigger point is, we all have trees in our eyes, and it's serious. Um, Jesus has been saying this over and over in the Sermon on the Mount. We all miss the mark. He said, you have heard it said, do not murder, but I tell you, don't even get angry with somebody. Don't even like scoff in passing. Ugh. Don't even make that ugh sound. Because when you do that, it's not just about the command, thou shalt not murder, is not just about the act of murder. It's about, boy, we are starting to treat people without the dignity that they deserve, that God has bestowed on them. We're not loving them the way that God's called us to. Jesus wants us to see that. And what he's showing us over and over again is we miss it. Here's the gospel. We are more sinful, we are more flawed than we ever dared think. And yet, and yet, we are more loved than we ever dared hope. 
uh, for the gospel is Jesus had every right to come and judge. First time around, he didn't judge. Not only that, he said, do not judge. But here's the gospel. On the cross, he took our judgment for us. Here's another way of thinking of it this way. Everything you do, everything you see, uh, you know, we're always going to be telling ourselves that what we need to believe, always telling ourselves what we need to believe in order to feel good about ourselves, those are our planks. Jesus saw clearly, I mean, when he looks down, he's, he's not fooled by it. He, he sees right into us, but what did he do about our planks? What did he do about this, these load-bearing timbers? He was nailed to it. He was crucified to it. Colossians 2, and this won't be on the board, says, You were dead in your sins, and God made you alive in Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, having canceled the judgment that we deserve, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. The gospel is Jesus took the judgment in our place. That's the gospel. It's the good news of Jesus. Something we cannot earn, but can only receive by faith. And so now do you see there's no room to judge? There's no room to judge. Um, yes, there are exceptions. The church ought to hold itself accountable. Uh, the church isn't called to turn a blind eye to injustices in the world, immorality. But we need to start from the position of we have planks in our eyes apart from Jesus. Um, and so do you now see then? This is something that I didn't, I didn't notice until this time around. The studying this text this time around. This text, therefore, then, is not just about not judging. This text, therefore, then, is about serving others and not judging. Do you see that? Jesus' point in all of this is, as we judge ourselves, we are being a blessing. We are being a light, salt to the world. Regardless, by the way, if we get to people's specs, that'll help us deal with the specs when the time makes sense which is less often than we realize. But even apart from dealing with the speck in our brother or sister's eye, in judging ourselves and understanding that we have trees in our eyes, we begin to posture ourselves with the gospel love that God has for the world. So here is the call, it seems to me, from this text, is to look to the planks. Look to the plank in your eye and my. We need to look to our planks and if you don't see a plank there, which is actually probably the case, for what it's worth, we don't see this thing, the Lord does, and He wants to show it to us. By the way, in a loving way, not a judgmental way. It's like, because He was nailed to it, which is the second part of looking to the plank. Realize that He was nailed to the plank. He took our judgment. And so therefore now, as a church, we get to love out in this way. Not judging Lifting out that Jesus takes the judgment for all who would turn to him. Let's pray.